I am currently the education director at the National Museum for Forest Service History in Missoula. And it's a really exciting position. Uh, we're a fledgling um, institution in many ways, and we're creating all kinds of lesson plans and activities for teachers across the country to infuse uh, the importance of conservation and uh, public lands uh, uh, through the Forest Service um, medium for uh, teachers. And so uh, this is my effort in terms of exposing uh, some of you to the activities of the U.S. Forest Service during World War One, And I think it's a very exciting topic. Um, many of you uh, may not know, but the Forest Service signed on in mass with General Pershing uh, in 1917 to aid in the um, efforts in the Great War in Europe. Um, as most of you know, we drug our feet for several years. And by the time we became involved, the um, forests in France were decimated. And so uh, it became uh, a really critical mission uh, on the part of the US Forest Service. Um, of course, I have to show you this uh, old poster with George M. Cohen, because who can ever do a presentation without some tribute to uh, his um, music and, of course, arousing over here, over there. Um, when the U.S. entered World War I in April of 1917, the French and the British allies needed trained lumbermen to fight the war successfully. Flyers, <coughs> excuse me, I've got to get up the right screen. Flyers like these um, were widely distributed across the timber industries in America. There were huge amounts of timber that would be needed, and there were limitations on transatlantic shipping. Uh, large numbers of the timber supply must come from the French uh, forests, and the first recruits uh, formed the 10th Engineers of Forestry. They were uh, commanded by a Colonel James Woodruff, who was part of the US Forest Service. The 20th Engineers, they finally became, were the largest regiment to ever exist in the United States Army. From its beginning in 1917, it grew to over 500 officers and 30,000 soldiers by Armistice Day in 1918. So it was a huge contingency. Um, the organization included 14 battalions deployed to France with another 14 battalions and an additional company-sized uh, units and 15 more battalions still organizing back in the United States. Its missions were among the most diverse of the American Expeditionary Forces, from operating within the direct combat range of German forces to units scattered along the Spanish border. Its soldiers were among the first to arrive in France and among the last to return home. The primary function of the 20th engineers was forestry, as I said. They needed to produce lumber and timber for the Allied forces, but its flexibility and command structure allowed for a wide range of other missions. <coughs> the first, <coughs> excuse me. The first Army nurses uh, sailed for Europe in 1917 before the American troops were there and established six base hospitals with the British Expeditionary Forces. 
in October 1917, they began serving with the American Expeditionary Forces. They served in France, Belgium, England, Serbia, Italy, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, and even the Philippines. They worked in field hospitals, mobile units, they worked in evacuation, worked in camps and convalescent hospitals, as well as on troop trains and transport ships. This shows another flyer that Forest Service offices handed out by the thousands. Uh, the U.S. Army, assisted by the U.S. Forest Service, and state foresters and lumber organizations recruited all kinds of foresters, loggers, and sawmill workers across the country. And this, of course, is their flag. And uh, this appeared, you know, in many places with their troops along the way. Here is another um, bit of uh, memorabilia. These are some political cartoons that I found at the Library of Congress, and these, of course, illustrate the involvement of the U.S. Forest Service in World War I. Um, some people ask, why a forest regiment? Number one reason, of course, was that General Pershing asked for a Forest Service unit. And what uh, General Pershing asked for, he got. Um, number two, the forestry men would be a great asset to the Allies in England and France and Italy, but especially France, because um, the several years prior to 1917 had virtually decimated the forests of France and they were desperate for ways to solve their timber issues. And of course, the U.S. Forest Service had been organized some, let's see, um, we would say maybe some 10 to 12 years earlier, and they really had an incredible organization that knew how to go in and get it done. And so General Pershing called upon them. Um, the third reason, of course, was that the Forest Service Workers of America wanted to go and Harry Graves at the time was the chief commander of the Forest Service. And he was a little reticent to let his men uh, take off and leave their stations behind. Um, but he knew that uh, it was the right thing to do. And of course, all his men needed to hear was that there was a need. And they responded, of course. They knew that they had to defend their democracy. <clears throat> There's some more men um, training in Washington, D.C., and we'll talk a little bit about that. The recruits arrived at American University in Washington, D.C. These are Forest Service workers and men who had trained in the timber industry uh, in August and September of 1917. There they were some 1,500 men strong in the first phase. Okay, they ranged from office supply uh, office supply employees in lumber mills to lumberjacks in the backwoods. They had several weeks to drill. Most of them were tall, broad-shouldered men who worked outdoors. They were bronzed, strong, and alert. And some of them were college men from Ivy's, uh, some of the photos that I'm showing you here today were taken uh, by a couple of young men that were Cornell graduates. 
and um, one was a Cornell runner uh, whose name was Eddie Fry, and another was George Klempart, who was a Cornell running champion and a revered wrestler. And the um, archives have been able to save their uh, photos, and hence we have some beautiful ones to share with you today. This particular group here would finally become the 20th Expeditionary Force, and they're standing before the Warren Navy Building in Washington, D.C. in November of 1917. Um, they've been supported with additional donations from their home Forest Service offices, if you can imagine, uh, across the country. The field offices donated personal pocket change to support these troops who had needs, additional needs, uh, like an ambulance, which came from Region 6, which some of you know is uh, Oregon and Washington. Uh, and most of the extra funds were donated, actually, by the office clerks and the district rangers and the trail workers with the U.S. Forest Service. Um, the troops gathered uh, their equipment necessary to accomplish their mission and also gathered additional personnel and even chaplains. Um, they collected small sawmills, logging machinery, and implements in large quantities. And they had even procured a Red Cross ambulance and a kitchen trailer with a Pine Tree Forest logo on the side, if you can imagine. One of their chaplains was uh, a one of the most famous chaplains of the war. Um, and he was Francis P. Duffy, a Roman Catholic. And there's now a stat statue in tribute to him in Times Square in New York City. Uh, Chaplain Duffy always conducted services, and he observed special holy holidays, even on the battlefield. Once the fighting started, um, the sermon stopped, and chaplains like Duffy traveled with the unit first aid stations and provided physical and spiritual uh, care to the wounded and dying. Uh, he also worked closely with other non-combatants with surgeons, ambulance crews, and stretcher bearers. Some of you will recognize the symbol in the bottom corner, though it's dark. The troop chaplains would provide recreation for the troops as well. They'd furnish books, games, and they even took along phonographs for each company. Um, note this advertising poster for RCA Vic Victrola. Uh, the 20th Division had six talking machines when they first shipped over and records that they could use to introduce the French uh, Sylvan communities to uh, American ragtime music, which was very exciting. Um, they tell me that in addition, they were on the hunt for all kinds of film projectors as well. I don't know that they were so successful there, but they shared the music. Um, the original uh, 10th Regiment that left for France, first of all, in September of 1917, knew that there were more troops coming behind them. Um, they would soon then become the 20th, as the 10th folded into the 20th. Um, the commanders in Europe realized that they had really underestimated the need for wood, and so they upped their recruitments. Um, as they sailed off, only a few short weeks uh, 
uh, after a few short weeks of training and prep, they were ready and soon to be followed by thousands more who had also trained for the American Expeditionary Force. The American Forestry Association made sure that they were supplied with tobacco, thank you, and plenty of olive drab sweaters and mufflers to keep them warm in the cold climates and the high country of mountainous France. Here's a little bit of a timetable that we can review that will tell us how things happened. April 6th, of course, we declared war on Germany. Uh, in May, there was the call sent out for the lumbermen and foresters. In July, the recruits began to train at uh, the American University. And in August, Greeley himself um, preempted the troops and went to France to sort of catch the, the, the lay of the land. Uh, in September, the engineers left uh, the Camp uh, American University, uh, probably took a train up to New York, and the Carpathia set sail, and they went on. Uh, taking almost a month to get to Glasgow, um, where they departed uh, on troop trains and went to uh, Nevers, France. Uh, the 1st and 2nd Battalions of the 20th um, began operating a sawmill as early as November 25th um, in uh, Levier. Um, and November 25th, the 1st Battalions of the 20th Engineers, which were those fellows following them, arrived uh, in um, France. You can see that the first lumber was produced in France by the American unit using an American sawmill machinery by November 29th. So they were six months in getting there, which is really quite amazing. Be patient with me for technology. This next slide shows uh, one of Pershing's Crusade posters. It was done under the auspices of the United States government. And this poster shows Pershing leading uh, troops with spirits of crusaders floating over his head. It's a little hard to see, but you can get the gist of it. Montana foresters, of course, were called as well. We had a, a huge contingency of foresters here. They trained in early, uh, most of them that is, trained in early uh, January of 1918. There was one young man named Elmer Luther Cowan from Victor, Montana, um, who we will hear more about in later slides. He's just one of the examples of young men um, who joined this division from our state. He was the third son of his family to enlist, and he was 18 when he reported at uh, American University. <coughs> Montana had 40,500 men serve in World War I. That was 17% of the men that were of age to serve. Uh, of course, we know um, that small towns across Montana like Stevensville, shown here, supported our troops and showed their colors on holidays and other days. Um, here's another photo of um, couples dancing in Riverside Park. Uh, this was W.A. Clark's uh, park that he built close to Western Lumber Company in Bonner, Montana. 
we talked about the Tuscania. The Tuscania, of course, was one of the first ships that was used um, because of the shortage of transportation for these new troops. Luxury liners were often signed on to transport our men. The SS Tuscania was a luxury liner of the Cunard Line, and it transported some of our trips to Europe. That particular young man from Victor, Elmer was on board the ship. She was torpedoed in February, uh, February 5th, 1918 by a German U-boat off the coast of Scotland. The Tuscania sank, sending 210 people to their deaths, many of them, of course, soldiers. And um, this is the sheet music from a song called Where Do We Go From Here, Boys? Where Do We Go From Here? I don't know that I can get it to play the sound of the troops singing, but there were 91 men of the 6th Battalion who won their golden stars that day, according to Bill Greeley. And um, he was their commander. On the 4th of February, the Tuscania was met by seven escort British destroyers shepherding them into port. Um, and so the people on board were feeling fairly confident. They weren't so worried, but with this protection, they felt safe. But the shores of Ireland and Scotland were in sight, okay? About 5.45 that evening came a loud bing and a bang. With a crash, all the lights went out, and the ship was left in absolute darkness. The men came pouring up onto the deck from their quarters, two or three uh, decks below, and the flares were lit, and everybody went to work lowering the lifeboats. <clears throat> In many cases, the members of the crew assigned failed to even show on the deck, and the soldiers did their best to launch the lifeboats. However, some boats were not launched properly, and this caused men to be thrown into the sea. After all the boats and rafts had been launched and the two loads of soldiers in addition had been taken off by two of the attending British destroyers, there were still 700 men left on deck. And of course, many of them were part of the 6th Battalion. They stood on the deck and sang this song, Where Do We Go From Here, Boys? Where Do We Go From Here? Um, it did happen that two more of the destroyers were able to come by. They um, shed their some, um, let me see, 40 tons of oil that they were carrying and uh, into the sea. So they were able to pick up these men and took them on to the shore of Scotland. So we did have some good luck there. This next slide. Yeah, now we're stuck in the music, yeah, aren't we? Music, yeah. Now we've got the music and we don't need it. This next slide is Elmer Luther Cowan. And of course, um, Elmer um, was renowned in his home neighborhood. The following is an excerpt from a small town Montana newspaper on February 7th, 1918. 
Residents of the Bitterroot Valley in Missoula will not forget very soon the shock brought by the news on February 7, 1918, telling of the deaths off the coast of Scotland of Elmer L. Cowan, a senior at the time of his enlistment at the Victor High School. Elmer was the star athlete of the Valley School. The Valley County track meet in the spring of 1916 was a memorable one for the school and young Cowan in particular. He won the individual championship and carried off the trophy cup and many medals as shown in this photo. And of course he became a very early casualty, one of the seven that Rich mentioned this morning in his opening speech. This is a graveside of Elmer in Scotland. And of course, these are some of the troops. Um, excuse me. These are some of the graveside. These are some of the troops that uh, went on to uh, France. You see these troops arriving in October of 1917. Most of our troops were located in either northwestern or southwest, or southwestern or northeastern France. Um, this is a first aid kit that we happen to have in our collection in Missoula with the Forest Service Museum. This is a first aid kit from, from 1917. And this, in addition, is a um, compass that was used by our troops in 1917. Mm -hmm. um, we see that we're setting up sawmills here. I'm rushing along because I'm running out of time. But these sawmills were... Um, replaced. We had to replace all the French sawmills, or most of them. They were in such poor repair, and um, um, it's said that there was insurmountable amounts of cursing as they tried to use the original equipment that was there to get out the timber. Um, Shows some more young men um, working. We, of course, had to come up with um, all types and varieties of timbers in order to meet the war effort and uh, it was a huge, huge challenge. One of the things that I didn't know, maybe some of you do, but uh, just in building the trenches it took a tremendous amount of timber for the staging areas of these uh, trenches as well as uh, uh, the areas for the machine guns and then they even had to have poles uh, to uh, help the soldiers crawl in and out of the uh, trenches quickly. Of course, there was all kinds of recreation at the camps, boxing, baseball, and here's a French girl. They, of course, I'm sure loved the French people and they were good to them, the people. Here's a, uh, a um, barrack in um, France. Um, some of the uh, recruits were French-speaking uh, men from New Orleans who could be able to interpret for the neighbors, which was great. Uh, some public meetings, obviously, with many of the villagers. Um, these men took on an insurmountable task, and they were competitive and highly patriotic, and that made them um, able to, to produce incredible amounts of timber. Here's somebody that knows how to run a crosscut saw. Hard to find the timbers that were long enough for those docks. They needed them, you know, 80 or 90 feet long. So they had to haul those out of 
out of the mountainside. Um, this looks like something in the great northwest, doesn't it? This particular regiment was a group of black soldiers, and they were only allowed to work among themselves. And this group did an insurmountable amount of work chopping fuel wood that was there. Uh, and they weren't allowed to participate with any of the other troops. Oh, this is another, shows another sawmill. The industry and the ingenuity, the Yankee ingenuity, came cr across again with these forest workers in France. And of course, here's their forest service truck. The villages of France, more people, their marching band. This was the 6th Regiment that originally Elmer was part of. Troop trucks. So many things to tell you about and not enough time. Um, these are all part of the forests. We sh actually launched 95 ships on July 4th, 1918. So the timber movement was huge in order to get the docks built to accept those ships as they pulled into port. Um, more timber shots. These are part of the men that chopped the wood. And of course, all the while that this is going on, we some of us know that there was another group of men who were um, active in the Northwest. Let's go back and just talk for a minute about them. Uh, the uh, 137th uh, Spruce Squadron, and they ran into problems with the Wobblies, as did the miners in Butte. And of course, um, their production was extremely critical because they brought forth the timber that built um, the, the fur for the ships and the spruce for the airplanes. And they were so badly needed for the war effort. And the production began to slow down just about the time we entered World War I. So they had to do a lot of um, negotiating to keep those mills active and running. And they ran into a lot of trouble with the Wobblies uh, during that time period. So of course, just show some shipbuilders during that time. And this is, you know, one of the new planes um, that was designed, and we had to meet the production. Again, four service workers doing that. Um, deep in the, the, the muddied forests of the Northwest, you can imagine, and Sitka uh, timber was extremely hard to find, and it was, you had to go in and cherry pick in these really boggy forests. And so it was an incredible... Uh, endeavor and these men who worked there were 235 mills in the Northwest that were working towards this effort and the men that worked there were incredibly isolated and they had to be very mobile they moved from uh, place to place it was uh, one hell of an assignment uh, there's our aero squadron waiting for their production and of course more posters about the war here's the Spruce for the air and fur for the sea. That was their logo. Uh, this shows some of those groups in the northwest of the United States, uh, up into Alaska, I understand, as well. And more of them, all for the war effort. Does anybody know what ki kind of tree that is? I thought it might be a Sitka. <laughs> Don't know. Okay. There's part of the Aero Squadron um, of the 137th. And, of course armistice. Imagine their pride. Imagine their pride as they marched home in victory 
and all the work that they did to help us win this war. Thank you so much. <laughs>